0: An amazing start to the season for Union, continuing what they do in beating Hertha Berlin for the fourth straight time. Hertha, they were not going to bridge the gap to Union Berlin in one game of Bundesliga football after the disaster that was last season. So, need a bit more time to turn it around. Who knows, by the time they play next, Hertha might be competent. So, I guess that's a no then. The saying seems to be true, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Run the intro. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Going Deutsch podcast, a look at the wonderful world of German football, brought to you by someone who is very glad that this to Bundesliga is back. I'll be honest... That intro could have been a lot more negative if the result of the game on Sunday had been different. I'm sure you all know which one it is. But yeah, the Spider Bundesliga is back this week, and it now finally feels like football is complete and um, that everything is back to normal because obviously this is the first weekend since before the World Cup, which we're not going to talk about. We don't talk about it around these parts. But. It's the first weekend since before the World Cup that we've had all of the leagues back and as somebody who has a lot of interest in the Spider Bundesliga and who watches it regularly, it always felt like football wasn't going to be properly back until the Spider Bundesliga was back. If you're not somebody who watches the Spider, then football has been back for you for a while now. Well, for a week, so maybe not that long, but Yeah, once all of your leagues are back that you like, it feels like football is finally back. And now it feels like football is finally back and raring to go for the rest of 2023. I do look forward to hopefully talking about a better. Ruck Runder for my club in particular than the Hinrunder was, but we'll have to see how it goes for them. Anyway, welcome to the show today. I hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual. Remember to go to anchor.fm forward slash the sports blitz to find a way you can play this podcast. You can also play it there, or you can keep doing what you're doing because you're currently playing a podcast at the moment. You are the Nicholas Fulkrug of playing podcasts, and I'd just like to say to a certain listener and co-host of another podcast, we were talking about if this intro jinxes players and teams because of me saying you have a Wolfsburger playing podcast on the last episode. We'll get into how they did later on, but you can probably guess by what I've just said. And now I've just said Nicholas Fulkrug, So if he doesn't score next week, then it will probably be my fault. It will also be my fault because I do seem to curse whichever players... I put into my fantasy football side and funnily enough like I believe everyone else I have Nicholas Fulkrug in my fantasy side because I believe he's the top points getter so far this season he's got more points than any other player absolutely exceptional but anyway yeah so I apologize if I jinx him through that but also remember to go to the Sports sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com for writing about German football and other stuff as well including the going Deutsch winter transfer window update the fourth edition has now gone up it went up on Monday morning. So, if there are any transfers that have been missed, that's because they happened in the days afterwards, and we might talk about them later on in this podcast, time dependent. If not, then I'll put another article up on the website wrapping up the transfer window. So, like I said, the Spider Bundesliga was back this weekend. We're not going to start there. We are going to start with the Bundesliga, as per usual, but a bumper episode this week because we've got another weekend of good Bundesliga action. The Zweiter Bundesliga as well, which was... Fantastic for the most part, especially for me. And it wasn't a good game, but you know, a win's a win. And of course for the FB Pacal, the round of sixteen taking place this week. And because I had to delay this podcast anyway, I thought, why not cover that in this episode? Because it's gonna be going up after the games of the FB Pacal have taken place. So we'll just talk about it here as well. So a lot to get into and let's of course start off with the biggest game in the Bundesliga from the weekend, the Berlin Derby, Hertha Berlin nil, Union Berlin 2. And I know there'll be a lot of people who are going, well, hang on, how could that be the biggest game? I know it's the Berlin Derby and it matters to a lot of people and it was something that we were all looking forward to. But at the same time, this was a hair to side who are in complete disarray against an Union side who are fantastic, who have won 4 on the bounce against Hertha Berlin who are just superb. This was always going to end in this result and that is a fair comment but there is a lot to talk about from the Berlin Derby and of course a lot to talk about when it comes to the aftermath of the Berlin Derby as well. The surprising thing for me at the start of the game was that Union Berlin just didn't look like their normal selves. They were very poor through most of the first half to be honest. Hertha Berlin were clearly the better side. They weren't Dominant, but they were better than Union for most of the first half. They looked not convincing, but more convincing than Union did. So, when the first goal went in at the end of the first half, a real chance to affect the momentum of the rest of the game to put your side on the best front foot possible. Of course, it was Union who scored it. It was their only real chance of the first half, but a Christopher Trimmel. Free kick crossed into the box for Danilo Doeki. I mean, honestly, who knew that the next Robert Lewandowski of the Bundesliga was going to be a centre back for Union Berlin? Lewandowski. Doeki. Lewand I think that's it. I don't know how to say his name, actually, because the commentators on two different feeds pronounced it in two different ways. One pronounced it Doeki and one pronounced it Doki. We even heard Lewand Do-key. So, it kind of works. It works more than Levan Fulkrug did a few uh, weeks ago. Actually, that was months ago now. But, yeah, who knew that the new scoring sensation of the Bundesliga would be an Union Berlin centre-back? That's three goals in his last three games now, three goals in five shots on target or something, or three goals in five shots in general. So, Doecki, absolutely sensational in the Bundesliga when it comes to goal scoring. <laughs> he he is absolutely fantastic. He could be the next He's not going to be the next Robert Lewandowski. But a fantastic little scoring purple patch for the defender. You mouse. Remember, he scored the winning goal in Union's game against Borussia and earlier this year in the 97th minute. So early this season, I should say. So yeah, what a run for him. And in the second half it was really weird because Hertha Berlin were 1-0 down against Union and yet if you watched the game, although at home as well, you probably already knew that, but if you watched the game you would think they were the your side holding on to a 1-0 lead. Hertha were playing in the way Union should have been playing. And it was really weird because they didn't pressure Union for most of the beginning of the second half. They were lacklustre. They just weren't doing anything to try and get the win. And Union would double their lead midway through that second half in the 67th minute. Paul Seguin rounding off a fast counter-attack. Really good play from Geraldo Becker to break through the Hertz defence to hold off his defender and then to play it perfectly for Seguin who had the easiest of chances to tap in. There was a bit of controversy with this one because there seemed to be a foul in the build up for Hair Berlin that would have been a Hair to penalty, with Mark Oliver Kempf going down in the box, seemingly from a Kadira foul. Felix Bruch, the referee who was one of the best referees in the German game, was told by VAR to go and have a look at the monitor, however, when he did so, he correctly decided that Kedeva got the ball before he got Kempf. It was a perfectly fine challenge and the play was allowed to go on after that. It's weird because after that moment happened and Union went on the counter-attack, the Hertha players were desperately trying to foul Union to prevent the counter. If they'd focused maybe on actually defending as opposed to trying to foul, then maybe they could have done something. There were a few Hertha Berlin fans online that I saw and... I assume their minority, they might not be, they're incredibly biased, no matter what they are, who were claiming that this was an awful decision, that the referee had come to the wrong conclusion, it was a clear foul, and to those people I say simply, you clearly don't understand the rules of football at all, because it clearly wasn't a foul, only someone who is either A, incredibly biased, or B, has no understanding of football would think that was a foul, but to be honest... If they don't have any understanding of football, that makes them a perfect match for Hertha Berlin, who also don't seem to have any understanding of football. And the game sort of petered out from there. Union were easily the better side of the second half. After that, they were never really challenged by Hertha Berlin. I can't remember any real good opportunities for Hertha to to get a goal back. To be honest, the only note I made after that goal, Jessic Nankam, I think that's how he says his name, I apologise if it's not... But he had a sort of fall on floor contender where he was trying to get a penalty late on it. did not work for the referee. Felix Brook was not fooled in the slightest. So 2-0 the final score. And there's nothing really new to say about Union Berlin as a result of this game. They're still their same great selves. They've won five straight derbies against Hertha Berlin. They have been absolutely dominant. Berlin is firmly red at this point, they again weren't massively convincing of this game, particularly in the first half, in which they put in quite a poor performance. But overall, they easily deserve this game. They were easily the better side. They took their chances when they were able to create them. The intrigue in this game isn't around Union Berlin, it's around Hair to Berlin because again, the atmosphere around the club. It's just so unbelievably negative. Sandro Schwartz, speaking before the game, said that this game against Union was coming at a perfect opportunity because winning it would drastically shift momentum back and the club would be positive and raring to go for the rest of the season. And to be honest, I agreed with him. Winning this game would have Swung momentum for Herz-Berlin significantly. The mood would have been way more positive. Yes, they've had a rough season, but they've finally beaten Union in a game for the first time in a long time. And they've shown that they can win against the better sides of the Bundesliga. And they can go on to do a lot better this season. Of course, the inverse of that is that losing this game means that momentum goes even worse than it already is at the moment. The, the mood gets way more negative than it already is somehow, and that the club truly feels like it doesn't have a chance to recover at all. And that is the sort of atmosphere we are getting from Hertha Berlin at the moment. There are just so many problems at Hertha Berlin but it's hard to really go into all of them. But let's just look at this game and see if we can pick out some of them, because... I thought Hertha Berlin at the start of this year were playing okay, and I don't know what's changed. I guess i have just reverted into being to again, but when I watched this game, which is the first Hertha game admittedly that I've watched in depth for a while now, I, you know, I kept some attention on the Wolfsburg game, and I... Tuned into the broken game late, but with enough time to see what was going on. And to be honest, I don't know if this Hertha side have been playing this poorly for a while now, or if it's just since we've come back from the winter break, but to look truly terrible. They do not play like a side with a single vision of how they want to play tactically. They just look like 11 players out there on a pitch trying to do something, but not really doing anything. The players just do not look like a team at all. There is no clear strategy of the club. There is no clear sort of direction for what Sandro Schwartz wants his team to do. And actually, we'll get back onto strategy in a bit. But specifically to this game as well, it fascinated me that the players, considering this was a Berlin derby, considering how much this means to the fans, they just looked lifeless out there. And Oliver Christensen was being interviewed after the game and he said, you know, you can't fault the spirit of the team. Yes, you can. I, I'm sure he's a lovely guy and I'm sure that normally he says smart things, but the team on the pitch just looked like they didn't have anything about them. They didn't look like they wanted to win. They just... There was nothing about them that was positive at all. They didn't seem to have any passion. They didn't seem to know they were playing a derby at all. It's performances like this and a team playing like this that really makes you lose faith in the manager. And to be honest, Sandro Swartz's seat should be burning hot at the moment. I'm sure Sandro Schwartz is great, but to be honest, when you look at this performance... By itself, but when you add in the performance against Wolfsburg and the performance against Bochum, he just doesn't seem to have any answer at the moment for any of Hertha Berlin's problems, and I don't see it getting better under him. I hope for his sake that it gets better under him, but I just don't see it happening. Now he might have a very, very, very hot seat, but at least he still has a seat. Unlike sporting director Freddie Bobic, he was sacked hours after the game against Union Berlin. And it makes sense, right? Because we talked about strategy earlier. And let's talk about strategy because the club strategy above the day-to-day coaching just seems to be non-existent. They seem to just sign players for no particular reason. There doesn't seem to be a sort of strategy that they want the players to mesh into. There doesn't seem to be any signings on the basis of, why well, we think this player is going to fit this role in our club perfectly, unlike what you get at Union Berlin, funnily enough. And it feels like Freddy Bobic at points was just making it up as he went along. And the fact that he said, well, I can't see how I can improve this team much more now, which he kind of said a couple of days ago with regards to the winter transfer window and the fact that he was backing Sandro Swartz and saying he can get the job done really meant that, well, something has to change and clearly that something has to be you, Freddie. And uh, yeah, I, I actually do agree with the decision. I'm not sure about the two people they've brought in to replace Freddie Bobic. They're having two people take over that role now. It'll be interesting to see what they do with regards to transfer strategy, whether they've got enough time to implement any changes. And of course, with regards to Sandro Swartz, Freddie Bobic, like I said, had guaranteed Swartz's job in a pre game interview. Whether his leash is as long as it was before the game, we'll have to see. You might know more about the answers to these questions than I do at the point you are listening to this. But, again, the mood is really negative around Herr to Berlin. They need answers and fast. Otherwise, the relegation they've been miraculously holding off for the last few years may come to fruition. Anyway, let's go from a result that wasn't shocking at all. To a result that, well, rather was Bayern Munich won, Eintracht Frankfurt 1. You may remember in the reverse fixture, the opening game of the Bundesliga this season, Bayern won 6 1. And I noted at the time how the people who were expecting Eintracht Frankfurt to finish in the top three were absolutely out of their minds. Well, It says a lot about the job that Oliver Glasner has done at Frankfurt this year, but not only did Frankfurt get a point in this game having lost the original game 6-1, but also that they actually could finish in the Champions League places this season, and at the moment could actually be title contenders as well. Lota Mateus wrote that in his Sky Sport blog. I believe last week it would make sense, considering that they were playing Bayern this weekend, and if you do view them as title contenders, well, this is a major confirmation of that point for you. Because Frankfurt played really well in this game. Credit to them. They obviously didn't have a great start. Many sides don't against Bayern Munich. In the 34th minute, Leroy Sane would open the scoring for the Record Meister. There was a potential foul in the build-up. But it was hard to say. It kind of looked like there might have been one. I'm not saying that the referee was wrong or correct to come to the decision he did. I'm sure they looked at it. But it did, it kind of looked like it might have been a foul. But, you know, it, it was hard to say. And Bayern were holding on, they were doing enough to get the win from this game. But sometimes you just need that one chance. And Eintracht Frankfurt would get and score theirs in the 69th minute. Rando Muani who has just been exceptional for Eintracht Frankfurt this year. I feel like we have to say it every single time he scores. But free transfer. Unbelievable with of business from Eintracht Frankfurt. A great finish from a tight angle. Even better than the finish, though, was the no-look pass by Dainchi Kamada. It was absolutely fantastic. If you haven't watched the highlights to this game yet, watch them just for that no-look pass. Absolutely fantastic. And despite an onslaught from Bayern towards the end of the game, Maitreya Frankfurt would hold on thanks to their defence and the good goalkeeping of Kevin Trapp as well. Who of course, was a buying target earlier in the transfer window before they signed Jan Sommer. For Eintracht Frankfurt then, 6th in the league at the moment, but only 4 points behind 2nd place Union Berlin and 5 points behind 1st place Bayern Munich. So they are right in for So only 2 points behind 4th, 3 points behind 3rd. So they are absolutely... A prime contender for the European places and to finish as high up in the table as third or second is definitely achievable for them. I wouldn't say at the moment that they're title contenders, but you know, anything can happen this year. This year has been absolutely wild in the Bundesliga. To be honest, I was going to say this at the start of the episode and then I forgot because I went on my long fighter Bundesliga talk, but. These Bundesliga this year so far has been arguably the best league in Europe. It has been absolutely fascinating. When we read the table out at the end of the Bundesliga roundup, you will see just how fascinating the Bundesliga has been. And for my money, no league has come close this year. Like, I know I'm biased towards the Bundesliga, but I thought Serie A would be better. And whilst it's nice to see Napoli, you know, looking like they could win the title, I'm still cautious after the numerous collapses they've had over the last few years. But I still would have expected it to be closer than it currently is. The Bundesliga, at the moment, is the closest league in Europe, and it's just absolutely fascinating. Anyway, none of this is actually talk about the Bundesliga. So, Eintracht Frankfurt could really do a lot this season. Even though they're sixth, they're only four points behind second place. Anything could happen for Oliver Glasner and his men. Let's talk about Bayern Munich, because, oh boy... It's not been a great week for Bayern. This is their third draw in a row. And again, there are multiple issues that have been plaguing them. I I feel like defensive quality has been down because usually the teams they are playing, it feels like only need one or two really good chances to score. And when you have Manuel Neuer in your net, normally it takes a lot more chances to generate A actual goal, so that's definitely a problem. Another problem for Bayern at the moment, though, is that they've turned back into FC Hollywood. Yay! For those of you who don't know, FC Hollywood was a term used about Bayern Munich in the nineties and two thousands about them being in the papers often for off the pitch activities and causing drama and being like a soap opera more than anything else and so the club resembled a dramatic Hollywood production more than a football club and in this run of success they've had over the last 10 years they've really clamped down on that sort of attitude but FC Hollywood is back in full swing and we've seen that this week and one of the things I forgot to talk about last week that I really wanted to, and then it completely blew my mind as I was recording, so I'm going to talk about it here. Was the Serge Nabri Paris Fashion Show sort of scandal? So between the Leipzig and Köln games, Serge Nabri went to Paris Fashion Week, and Sporting Director Hassan Salihamizic called his decision amateurish. They dropped him from the squad entirely for this game. And Oliver has said, oh, I hope he's learned his lesson. Now, this is fascinating. First of all, because it's not like Munich and Paris are a million miles away from each other. It's a short flight. It wasn't too much of a push for Serge Gnabry to go there. I know... He probably should have been resting. It wasn't the best decision. But still, it wasn't like this absolutely outrageous thing. It's not like he decided to go to Australia and go, like, and do jet skiing or something like that. And, oh, speaking of skiing, it's really interesting that Bayern didn't say anything about Manuel Neuer. Because, remember, they've got Jan Sommering goal at the moment. So, the reason they've got Jan in goals is because Manuel Neuer went skiing in the winter break and injured himself. He is out for the rest of the season. That has cost Bayern, what, €9 million to replace him with Jan Sommer. And yet, not a peep from the heads of the club. It is absolutely ludicrous that Serge Gnabry is getting all this heat for going to a fashion show where I believe it's not particularly dangerous activities, just sort of sitting there and watching models walk up and down catwalks whereas Manuel Neuer did something that for most clubs is an absolute no-no especially in other sports we'll see teams write into players contracts you cannot go skiing because you could injure yourself so Manuel Neuer doing it and getting injured is like a million times worse than that and yet Bayern Munich have decided not to say anything that doesn't mean they didn't do anything they sacked the goalkeeping coach, who I have since forgotten my name of, who was a close friend of Manuel Neuer. But that's not exactly the same as hanging a star player out to dry in public. It is just ludicrous that they don't say anything about Manuel Neuer, but absolutely attack Serge Gnabry for this. It, it was insane. And I don't know if they've been asked either Hamizic or Khan about how their treatment of Gnabry is different to their treatment of Neuer. But I would really love somebody to actually have the courage to ask them because that is a question that is not going to have an easily justifiable answer to it. It will be really interesting to see what they'd say. But anyway, it's a good performance for Iron Track Frankfurt and it does open the door to a potential title race in the Bundesliga. Just be cautious and i will pessimistic about the chances of a title race in the Bundesliga. But maybe, just maybe. Fingers crossed. We can always dream. This podcast was going to be long before I spent about 27 minutes talking about two games. So let's speed up through the rest of the game. Starting off with Bayer Leverkusen nil Borussia Dortmund 2. And for the first time in a long time, I don't have to have a go at Borussia Dortmund's performance. Yes! There's no budget for a marching band. But anyway... Borussia Dortmund actually played well in this game. And, well, technically a lie. One side of the ball played really well in this game. Borussia Dortmund's defence through this match were absolutely outstanding. They played really well. The Bayer Leverkusen attack since Chabi Alonso has taken over has been looking more like what we expected at the start of the season and what we saw last season. And so for Dortmund to hold them scoreless was really impressive. Obviously, credit goes to Marius Wolf, who had a really good game. Nico Lottebeck had a really good game. Slea so Erzshan and Emre Chan from midfield helped to control that defence. But mainly, man of the match for me, Gregor Kerbel with a fantastic performance. I feel like I don't credit Kerbel enough on this podcast, and I feel like I probably need to say more positive things about him because he is actually a really good goalkeeper and he showed why he's a really good goalkeeper in this game. He made a few truly terrific saves. Speaking before the game in the build-up, Roman Wiedenfeller, the former Borussia Dortmund icon, the goalkeeper who won the league with Dortmund under Jurgen Klopp, was talking about how Kerbel could become that next great goalkeeper that Dortmund has been crying out for, frankly, since he left the club. So, yeah, a really impressive performance from Gregor Kerbel in this game, easily the man of the match for my money. But the whole defence for Borussia Dortmund did play really well in preventing Bayer Leverkusen from scoring. Going forward, slightly different story. Borussia Dortmund obviously scored twice in this game. First of all, Kareem Adeyemi getting his first goal in the Bundesliga in the 33rd minute. And I feel like there's a conversation warranted about Kareem Adeyemi because... He's been getting a lot of flack from Dortmund fans, understandably in some circumstances, because he just not looked like the player Dortmund were promised when they signed him this summer. However, he is still only 21 years old, and I feel like with the success Dortmund have had with young players coming into the squad and immediately improving the squad and being star players, the likes of Harland and Bellingham and Sancho, all coming in and making an immediate impact at such a young age we should remember that that's not the norm it's not the norm for a player to come in and immediately hit the ground running as a young player going to a tougher league because Adeyemi played in the Austrian Bundesliga and the Austrian Bundesliga just is not the same quality as the Bundesliga no offense to fans of the Austrian Bundesliga but you should be expecting a step up when you make that move from a smaller league to one of the biggest leagues in Europe. And Danny Amy, he's struggling to adapt, but that's understandable for a younger player. And I feel like the jury should still be out on whether he's going to be a long-term success for Borussia Dortmund or not. I'm not saying that this one goal makes him a, a bona fide superstar who is clearly going to become the next Dortmund legend, but maybe we should be a bit more understanding of his struggles. Anyway, he got his first goal. Hopefully, there'll be a big confidence boost for him going forward, and hopefully, he'll be able to contribute more to Dortmund's attack in the future. Dortmund's second goal would come in the 53rd minute, officially going down as an Edmund tapsober own goal, but Sebastian Haller, really influential in getting that goal, because if Tapsober doesn't put the ball in the net himself, Haller just absolutely certainly does and that would have been really nice to see him score his first goal of course but apparently the football gods weren't interested in giving that to us this week. Still is going to have plenty of opportunities as the weeks go on of course. So that was good from Dortmund. The first goal, the passing play in the build-up was really good. A good assist from Julian Brandt to set up the Adiemi goal but apart from that Dortmund just seemed a bit lifeless going forward they didn't really have many answers but at that point when they went 2-0 up it really didn't matter anyway. So, an impressive win for Borussia Dortmund. They close the gap two by Munich at the top of the Bundesliga to just three points now. So, they do have every chance of winning the league, despite the fact that for most of this season, they just have not looked anywhere near good enough. Fingers crossed they actually start to turn it around in the Rock Because if they do, they could genuinely be title contenders. Werder Bremen 2, Wolfsburg 1. Werder Bremen getting a big win after a not perfect start to 2023. Wolfsburg had had a perfect start to 2023. They had dominated in games against Freiburg and Hertha Berlin. So what could have changed this time? What could have brought this amazing, just dominant Wolfsburg machine to a grinding halt? Well, of course, it could only be one player, the man, the myth, the legend, just everyone's favourite player in the world, and actually the top goalscorer in the Bundesliga once again, Niklas Fulkrug. What a player. I mean, we all love him. Obviously, there have been some concerns that he might have been leaving there to join the winter window, it looks like. Well, you'll know by the time you listen to this, but it looks like that hasn't happened, so thank the Lord. Let's all breathe a sigh of relief, at least for the time being. But yeah, fantastic. He opened the scoring from the penalty spot in the first half. It was a clear penalty as well. And then... Scored again in the second half to make it 2-0 in the 77th minute. Kevin Pavades would get a goal in the 90th minute. Really good one as well. Hit on the half volley from outside the box. But it was too little too late. Werder Bremen most certainly deserved this victory. And Niklas Fulkrug deserved this victory. He was absolutely outstanding against Wolfsburg. Which is becoming the norm for him. He's been fantastic for the entire season right now. I think he's a serious contender for Bundesliga Player of the Season. He's he's been outstanding. Mines five, Bochum two. Not exactly a game in which you can complain about Minds' performance. They got going in the first minute. Jason Lee tapping home across, thanks to a Bochum defence that just decided to stand still. It became two 0 in the seventeenth minute. One thing that really struck me about the beginning of the game was Bochum's inability to get onto second balls. This would kill them for that second goal. So then Widmer getting onto a loose ball in the middle of the box for an easy goal. And then... 3-0 in the 28th minute, a misplaced pass from Suarez, the left-back, would allow Anisiro to run through one-on-one and chip over the keeper. Karim Anisiro would make it 4-0 in the 57th minute. And then, while Bochum actually showed signs of a comeback, Pierre Kunde scoring to make it 4-1 in the 70th minute. Quite a neat finish from him. Two minutes later, Erhan Masovic would deflect a corner in. He knew absolutely nothing about it, but... To be honest, it doesn't matter. It still counted as a goal. And suddenly it had gone from 4-0 in the 69th minute to 4-2 in the 72nd minute. But Boken weren't able to capitalise on that momentum. And Karim Inisiwo would get his hat-trick in the 87th minute with his best goal of the game. A great finish into the top corner on the half folly. Really good work from the striker who gets his first hat-trick of the season. So yeah, like I said, not much to complain about when it came to Mainz's performance. Boakum, Boakum's defending was really bad in the first half and Thomas Lech has something to work on in that regard. But to be honest, I just think Mainz played really well and I don't think anyone could have really stopped them on that day. Hoffenheim won. Borussia Mönchengladbach 4. Gladbach getting their first away league win of the season. They raced out into a 2-0 lead through two Jonas Hoffman goals. The first one, really good long ball through Lars Stindl. Absolutely fantastic. Elias Babu did give Hoffenheim hope in the 80th minute. Hoffenheim did play a lot better in the second half, but two goals late on in the 83rd minute through Lars Stindl and the 91st minute through Hannes Wolf would give Borussia Mönchengladbach the win. It was a well-deserved win as well. Freiburg 3, Augsburg 1. Freiburg's first win of 2023, unsurprisingly, coming against Augsburg. Mikhail Gregorich scoring again against his former club in the 13th minute. Merging Berisher would equalise the 29th through a not-particularly-convincing penalty, but the keeper went the wrong way, so it didn't really matter. Lucas Hilaro would score just 30 seconds after that, and Freiburg would round off the scoring in the 85th minute for a Philip Leinart header. Leipzig 2, Stuttgart 1. No side has more points in the Bundesliga than Leipzig since Marco Rosa took over at the club. Dominic Saboschlai with two really well-taken goals in this game. He had a mini-goal-of-the-week tournament by himself before a second-half penalty by Chris Furick would make the score more respectable for Stuttgart. It was still a well-deserved Leipzig win, though. Final game, Schalke against Köln and... Sky Sports in the UK have a very limited opportunity to show the Bundesliga. Because of a three o'clock blackout, they can only show four games. The Friday night game, the Saturday evening game and the two games that take place on Sunday. They paid millions of pounds to have the licence to the Bundesliga. So why, for the love of God, are they not showing one of those four games? It is... Not only stupid, considering how much money they paid, but also disrespectful to the fans of the Bundesliga who want to watch these games. It was absolutely shocking. They had Scottish football on Sky Sports Football, and they had cricket or whatever on Sky Sports Mix, and they had opportunities on multiple channels to show the game they could have put the game on the red button but they didn't they just decided not to show it at all it was absolutely terrible decision making from sky who just continued to show they don't treat the bundesliga with the respect it deserves that being said this game was terrible i mean (laughs) maybe maybe they have a portal into the future and they knew this game was going to be bad so they just decided to not show it And, yeah, maybe it was the correct decision, because, honestly, there's nothing to say about this game. It did get really feisty towards the end, but that's pretty much it. Also... Whilst on the topic of Schalke, they raised more than €200,000 to renovate the floodlight mast of their old stadium, which I believe the reserve's still playing, and they had a big inauguration with fireworks and flares and everything, and it was really nice, so credit to Schalke fans. If you're asking, by the way, why Schalke fans were paying for a floodlight to be renovated, it's because the club doesn't have any money. Anyway, let's have a look at the Bundesliga table then, and oh boy is it very exciting at the moment, Bayern Munich lead the way on 37 points, Union Berlin second on 36, Leipzig third on 35, Dortmund fourth on 34, Freiburg also on 34 in fifth, Frankfurt sixth on 32 points and then it's Wolfsburg seventh on 29, so really exciting race at the moment Then at the wrong end of the table, Schalke 18th on 10 points, Hertha Berlin 17th on 14, 16th for Bochum on 16, 15th Stuttgart on 16, 14th Augsburg on 18 and 13th Hoffenheim on 19. So both ends of the table really crammed at the moment and everything to play for in the Bundesliga including the title race which I'll be honest as a pessimist I didn't see coming. Let's have a quick discussion about the DFB Pacal then. The first four games from the round of 16 were played this week. And going in chronological order, we're going to start off with Paderborn against Stuttgart. Paderborn were obviously lucky to get through their game against Verde Bremen in the last round. They had a controversial decision. Go their way. Had it not done, it would have swung the balance of the game in favour of Verde Bremen. But the luck they received in the last round had nothing on the luck they received in this round. With the funniest goal of the tournament, and maybe the funniest goal of the season so far, Konstantinos Mabrapanos was... Near the halfway line, he was trying to play a ball back to the keeper. He spun around and passed it immediately, pretty much going to the centre of the goal. And the problem was Florian Muller, the Stuttgart keeper, wasn't in the correct position. He fell over whilst trying to get back to the ball and it rolled innocently into the net. If there is only one thing... You watch from this round of the DFB Pacal, make it that goal because it was absolutely hilarious. (laughs) It was so funny. It was up there for me with that Sebastian Kolker ever back in August. It might be the funniest moment of the season so far. And despite that goal coming in the fourth minute, Paderborn decided to really shut things down after that fourth-minute goal. And they did hold on for 82 minutes until they conceded me the 86th. Gil Diaz, the new signing from Benfica, with an absolutely fantastic hit from outside the box into the top corner. Probably the best goal of the round. Absolutely fantastically taken from a guy who had just signed for the club the day before. Anyway, it looked like Paderborn were going to hold on and take the game into extra time. But in the 95th minute, Garassi would head in a Pascal Stenzel corner to make it 2-1. Absolutely devastating for the players and fans of Paderborn. Stuttgart were the best side through pretty much all of this game, but that's only because Paderborn really went defensive after that fourth-minute goal and allowed Stuttgart to have most of the ball and most of the chances as well. Paderborn's attack weren't great when they did get their few chances, but it was a deserved win for Stuttgart there through to the quarterfinals. As are Union Berlin, who beat Wolfsburg 2-1. A fun fact, Niko Kovac had previously won 21 of his 22 games as a manager in the DFB. Pacal while make that 21 of 23 now because Union continue their incredible season back into the quarterfinals of the cup. It didn't look that way at first. Luca Waldschmidt giving Wolfsburg the lead in the fifth minute with the freedom of the city of Berlin in the middle of the box. I can't remember which defender it was, but one of the defenders was essentially standing behind the goal and therefore playing everyone on side. And so he had just all of the space for an easy finish past Frederick Rono. However, Union Berlin would be leveled just seven minutes later. Josip Ivanovic has had a really good start to his Union career. And he had another good assist in this game. Cross the ball to the back post for a good finish from Robin Kanoka against his former side, volleying into the corner. He didn't celebrate against his former club. Absolutely respectable to do that. And it was a real back-and-forth game after that. Either side could have won, but Onion would get the decisive goal. Kevin Behrens scoring in the 79th minute. Jovanovic with a cross headed down by Sheraldo Becker into the path of Kevin Behrman. a really easy finish for him. It was going to be an edgy finish, though, because in the 87th minute, Nico Gieselman would get sent off for a second bookable offence. Of course... I wanted on to win this game. I'll make no secret of that. And I was annoyed when this red card was given. I was like, how can you give that referee? But it was clear simulation from Gieselman to try and get a free kick at the edge of the box. So it was the correct decision from the referee. Fair play to him. And this brings us on to the second funniest moment of the dfb Pacal this weekend. Because Wolfsburg were throwing everyone forward, including keeper Paveo, Pavan, And as a result, Union Berlin were able to hit their visitors on the counter-attack and, as if it was scripted, the ball fell into the path of Jerome Rousillon against his former club with an empty net and he managed to miss it. One of the defenders got back and Rousillon hit it straight at him. It was harder to miss than score that, but luckily his blushes would be spared because a full-time whistle went immediately after that. The players surrounded him, half celebrating with him, half consoling him, and he would be allowed the chance to score that goal again later on during the celebrations because they, they set it up for him and he scored, and the fans went, WAY! And so that was nice. But Union Berlin through to the quarterfinals, a game either side could have won. This was easily the most exciting game of the round and a really good win for Union as well. So those are the games on Tuesday. The games on Tuesday, absolutely fantastic. The games on Wednesday, not as much. Starting off with Leipzig 3, Hoffenheim 1. Leipzig the better side throughout this entire game. They took the lead in the 8th minute, Emil Forsberg with a good hit from outside the box. The weird thing about this was the Hoffenheim defence just stood off him and just went, Ah, we'll just let him, we'll let him do whatever he wants. He's not like he's going to score. Ah, oh, he's just scored. So that was really bad defending from them. But a good finish from Forsberg as well. They made it 2-0 in the 41st minute. Conrad Lima also with a good finish. A hit on the spin inside the box. Really worth watching. One of the goals of the round to be sure. Casper Dahlberg would make it competitive in the 76th minute with his first goal for Hoffenheim heading in an Angelino Cross, but Timo Werner would make it 3-1 in the 84th minute. And just to add insult to injury, Stanley and Soke for Hoffenheim would get sent off in the 86th minute for a second bookable offence. Like I said, Roe Leipzig easily the better side in this one. And Bayern were easily the better side in their game, winning 4-0 away at Mines. If you've read the winter transfer window update or you just follow news in general, you'll know that João Cancelo has signed for Bayern Munich from Manchester City. A good signing for Bayern apparently. I don't really know too much about him. I know who he is but I don't know like his strengths, his weaknesses, what he'll bring to Bayern. But All of the people who do know are really raving about this signing and he showed why they might be right to rave about this signing because he helped get the opening goal in this game. Crossing in to the back post for Eric-Maxime Choupo-Moting to volley home was a really good finish from him. The other goals were not as good as that. Jamal Musiala, Leroy Sane... And Alphonso Davies scoring the remaining goals for Bayern Munich. Alexander Hack would get sent off in the 86th minutes for Mainz. I thought it was incredibly harsh. I wouldn't have given it. It was... Well, it wasn't like an obvious not yellow. But I just... I thought it was harsh. I wouldn't have given it myself. Bo Svensson also sent off the Mainz manager. That was before the fourth goal. I don't really know what for. Anyway, it was a convincing win for Bayern Munich. And... Giao Cancelo looked really good on his debut. So that means that Stuttgart, Union Berlin, Leipzig, and Bayern Munich are through to the quarterfinals of the FB Pacal. Of course, there's still four more games left in this round of the Pacal. I believe they're taking place in two weeks' time, though I'm not sure. And then we'll have our full quarterfinal lineup. Okay, let's slide into the fighter Bundesliga event. starting off with one of the first two games back. Fortuna Dusseldorf 3, Magdeburg 2. And the game looked like it was going to be really good for Fortuna Dusseldorf. From the beginning, they had a penalty given after five minutes. It was a really tough decision for the referee and the AR because it was right on the line. Sky Sports at halftime during their halftime analysis show. Showed a different angle that seemed to suggest that the foul took place outside the box. But it was understandable for the referee and the AR to come to that conclusion in the time that they did. It could have been a controversial moment because, like I said, it was a really tough decision. They had to come to one within a short period of time. It's not like they took 10 minutes working on this. But none of it really matters to the end because David koranaki missed the target outright. I mean, he was wide left by, like, at least a metre. And I've said it before on this podcast, I'll say it again on future episodes of this podcast, but for me, it's absolutely unforgivable when a player misses the target outright from a penalty. There should be no excuse for even failing to hit the target. And it kind of got worse for Fortuna Dusdorf at first from there, because he might have missed the target, but Moritz Peroni-Quarteng didn't. He capitalised as the Fortuna Dustdorf defence couldn't clear a loose ball in the box just two minutes after that missed penalty. But after that, David Komenaki did go to work, making up for his mistake and apologising to the Fortuna Dusseldorf fans. Four minutes after that missed penalty and two minutes after the quartering goal, he would head in a corner to level the scores. He would then latch onto a defensive mistake to kill a first-time hit into the top corner. Still in the first half, that made it 2-1. Anything Komenaki could do though, Bromley quartering could also do. He would make it 2 all in the 59th minute. Magdeburg's defending through a lot of the second half was really interesting because they were struggling with a lot of Dusseldorf's effort. They cleared at least three attempts off the line. It was really, really wild, but they were just holding on. It was also interesting that Fortuna Dusseldorf really couldn't capitalise on quite a few errors that Magdeburg made in those sort of circumstances. But they would finally capitalise in the 84th minute Schinter-Appelkampf scoring a good finish from the edge of the box into the top corner. So, despite the fact that they scored three, Fortuna Dusseldorf's finishing was definitely lacking at points. But they did enough to get the job done. It was a deserved win. Magdeburg did try and hold on there was one point where uh, Moritz Quarter was given like a birthday card full of instructions it was like a really really detailed plan not one you could just throw onto the pitch he had to go back and hand it to the coaching staff but a good win for Fortuna does stuff credit as well to uh, Florian Kastenmeier a former red star legend on my football manager save of old because he did a he had a proper Neuer moments where he took the ball out of the box and dodged around two Magdeburg attackers. It was absolutely fantastic. I assume it's been on all the highlights, so go and look this game up if you want to see that and all of the other highlights from what was a really good game. To welcome back this fight to fighter Bundesliga, because it was, as I mentioned, one of the first two games back. The other game, as we'll mention later on, not as interesting. Hanover 1, Kaiserslautern 3, the first Saturday night football of 2023. And again, a really good game between two genuine promotion contenders. Scoring opened in the 17th minute. Derek Kern uh, finishing from a narrow angle, somehow getting it under Luter's body. At first, I thought he'd megsed him, but actually, it went like. Under his arm as opposed to under his legs. So it was a, an impressive finish from Kern, but you'd expect Luter to do better in that situation. And Luther would do a lot better through the rest of the game. He really did have a man of the match performance. He was absolutely fantastic, bar for that one mistake. Hanover really were the clear better side in the first half, but bar for that one goal, they weren't able to capitalise on their dominance. 1 0 would be the half time score, and they would pay for that in the second half. Julian Niehaus scoring in the 49th minute, heading in a corner to make one all. Then Tevans Boyd with the finish of, well, maybe the best goal in this fight League Bundesliga this weekend, hitting across on the full volley inside the box into the top corner. Absolutely fantastic from him. Watch the highlights of this game, which are on the Bundesliga's website already. They always put the Saturday night game up first and then later on in the week they'll start adding the other highlights. But this game was fantastic. This finish in particular was fantastic Philip Herscher would score in the 97th minute to round off the scoring for Kaz Slaughton on the counter-attack as Hanover were trying to push for an equaliser. And Hanover had a lot of chances in that second half as well. They weren't as good as they were in the first half, but they generated a lot of chances. And through a combination of failing to take those chances and amazing Andreas Luter saves, they just weren't able to get an equaliser and of course punished in the end. On the counter-attack with that final goal. Kaiserslautern are very genuine contenders for promotion to the Bundesliga. They're only four points off Heidenheim in third place at the moment. They have every chance of getting back-to-back promotions. They've been incredible to watch this year. Definitely one of the more entertaining sides in this fight. And hopefully for them, they can continue this great form. Fantastic travelling support from the Kaiserslautern fans, by the way. I know we should expect that because they're a really big club with a really passionate fan base. But it was really impressive how they travelled and how they really made it feel like a Kaiserslautern home game at points. Darmstadt 2, Jan Regensburg 0. Obviously, this match day is a repeat of match day 1. And that was the last time Darmstadt actually lost a game of football in, I believe, a 2 0 defeat to Jan Regensburg. It might have been 2 1. Can't remember off the top of my head. But Darmstadt lost that game. They have not lost since. And they would keep up their undefeated run against the only side who have beaten them so far this season. They opened the scoring in the 18th minute, really with help from the Jan Regensburg defence, who apparently just weren't awake yet. They hadn't like fully realised that the season had restarted because the keeper, Jonas Urbig, would play a ball out to Maximilian Foulhammer, and he wasn't aware that Marvin Mellum was closing down on him fast. He had two defenders he could play the ball to, but he decided to spin to his left and Mellon immediately picked the ball off him and passed to Braden Manu for one of the easiest goals of the season for Darmstadt. Jan Regensburg would make it worse just four minutes later. Scott Kennedy getting sent off for a last-man challenge. He was pulling on Brayden Manu's shirt as the ball came over the top and Manu... Foul to the ground. Kennedy was the last man, and so it was a clear red card. I fully agreed with the referee's decision. And in the 29th minute, Fabian Holland would get the second goal of the day. Benedict Gimber, the hans defender, a great looping header. Ball was crossed in by... Darmstadt and Gimber headed it on. Massive looping header from him, trying to clear the ball of course but it would just ended up being a perfect assist for Fabian Hollande to head in at the back post. Honestly, it'd be the assist of the round if he meant it. It It was wonderful. The second half Darmstadt just toyed with Jan Regensburg. They didn't have to do anything. They knew Jan Regensburg weren't going to threaten a comeback, and so they held on for that very easy 2 0 win. One of the easiest games of the season for Darmstadt so far. The game was over as soon as that red card happened because there was no way that Jan Regensburg were going to be able to come back after that. Armenia Bielefeld 1, Sandhausen 2, a real relegation 6-pointer and 1-1 by Sandhausen who move out of the relegation places. They were bottom of the league entering this match week but they're now up to 12th which shows you how tight that bottom of the league is. It's been absolutely wild. I'd prefer my team not to be in it but, you know, we can't get everything. Anyway, Christian Kinsombi would give Sandhausen the lead after 13 minutes, responding to a spill from the goalkeeper Alexander Esfine. Would then put everything on the line to make it 2-0 in the 33rd minute. He volleyed in a cross, but like the keeper's head was right next to the ball, and his studs, Esfine studs, I should say, were pointing straight at the keeper. So if he'd got that. Just even slightly wrong, it would have been stood straight into the head of the keeper and it would have been a clear red card. So actually, maybe it was the keeper who was putting everything on the line, but Esfain would get to the ball, make full contact with the ball and nothing else, and score. That made it 2-0. There was hope for Armenia. Bielefeld in added time of the first half. Andres Andrade would volley in a cross, and Bielefeld would be the much better side of the second half, Sandhausen really didn't do anything in that final 45 minutes, but Bielefeld weren't able to capitalise and Sandhausen would hold on for the win. One that they deserved overall because they were clearly the better side in the first half, but there have to be many, many questions asked about Bielefeld because they are not getting better as the season goes on. They're 17th in the table at the moment. Obviously, it doesn't really mean much when ninth for only four points ahead of you, but It's not been a good season. At the moment, it doesn't look like it's going to get better for them. They are level on points with bottom of the league, Magdeburg. Nuremberg nil, sent St. Pauli won, obviously the first game in charge for new head coach Fabian Herzler who took over during the winter break for Timo Schultz and he got a win in his first game as well. Granted, not exactly an all-time classic. It felt like a game that was only going to have one goal and it did only have one goal. Liat Pakarada crossing in for Jakov medic who saw his header deflected in by the keeper, it did go down as a medic goal because the header was on target, and he at points has just been like a goal-scoring machine this year, hopefully the new strikers can actually help him, obviously they both played in this game, Dapar off the line from Bolton and Mavides from somewhere in Poland, I've already forgotten, and they obviously were not ideal on their debuts. They were just trying to get used to the team and everything, so hopefully we'll see more from them in the future. Nuremberg did have a few decent chances, but every time they did, Nicola Vassili would make a fantastic save. He made a few really impressive saves in this game, some of the best saves of the round, and credit to him. Credit to St. Pauli, who are moving in the correct direction, but still very close to the relegation places, hopefully with these new strikers Form turns around, they can actually score more goals than they did in this game. Hamburger 4, Eintracht Braunschweig 2. Not exactly a shock result for HSV. They opened the scoring in the third minute, Miro Muheim with an absolutely fantastic cross for Robert Glatzel to be able to hit into the bottom corner. It looked like a volley at first, but then other angles made it look less like a volley, so I'm, I'm not sure if it was or not. Either way, count to the same number of goals, so I'm sure Robert Glatzel doesn't particularly care. Moritz Heyer would make it 2-0 in the 17th minute through a header before Fario Kaufman would put Eintracht 5 back into the game for the half-time break. An amazing hit into the top corner from outside the box. A real goal of the week contender. Glatzel would have a good finish as well in the 49th minute to make it 3-1. Not quite as good as for Kaufmann's goal, but still good. And then, because the Braunschweig players wanted to have a goal of the week competition between themselves, Danilo Weiser, with another great finish from outside the box into the top corner. And that one as well was another goal of the week contender. Ludwig Weiser would put the game beyond Braunschweig's reach in the 92nd minute. Hamburger deserved to win this game. They were the better side, despite the two exceptional goals from Eintracht Braunschweig. Holstein Kiel two, Greuther Firth one. Holstein Kiel still an outside contender for promotion, which I didn't look like we we're going to be at the start of the year, and I didn't look like we we're going to win this game in the beginning as well. Dixon Abimer giving Greuther Firth the lead in the thirtieth minute. The keeper for Holstein Kiel, Tim Schreiber, his hands just stopped working. He spilled a header. From the to Firth player. It was 1 0 at the half time break, but in the second half, Holstein Kiel, a much better side, and the much better side in this game as well. Hauke would level the scorings in the 46th minute? The keeper should have done more about that. Simon Lorenz would make it 2 1 in the 84th minute. A really good volley from a corner into the bottom corner of the goal. It was a good performance from Holstein Kiel. Firth were good in the first half, but they need to put in better performances overall if they want to start to move away from relegation places. They are a length in the league, but as mentioned, the table is ultra tight at the moment, and that means they're only three points off bottom and two points off the drop. Heidenheim 3, Hansa Vostok nil. Heidenheim remaining third in the league after a while not particularly Great performance, it looked like he was heading towards a goalless draw until the 80th minute when Tim Kleindienst would head in a corner for 1-0 in the 88th minute. Flavian Pick would make it 2-0, a good finish on the half volley. So two goals late on giving Heidenheim the win and a late goal would also give Paderborn a win. Over were winning 1-0 away from home. This was the other game on Friday night that we talked about at the beginning. And oh boy, was it not a classic. Robert Leiperts scoring in the 92nd minute. Karlsruhe completely forgot how to defend. A chipped ball came over the top. And Robert Leiperts would waltz through for the goal. Before that, Paderborn had been really uninspiring. Obviously, both sides came into this game in bad runs of form. When you consider how they were doing before the restart. cars were winless in seven. Meanwhile, Paderborn had lost four straight. So both sides needed a momentum boost at the start of 2023. And it was Paderborn who got that boost. Let's wrap up this segment then with a look at the Svita Bundesliga table. Darmstadt still lead the way, of course, 39 points from 18 games. Hamburger is second on 37, Haddonham third on 36, when it's a four-point drop. down to Kaiserslautern on 32, Paderborn in fifth on 29, sixth Dusseldorf 29, seventh Hanover 28 and eighth Holstein Kiel 28. All the sides who are realistically... Going to be pushing for promotion this year, unless one of the sides down below goes on a run to end all runs to launch themselves into that race. At the wrong end of the table, Magdeburg are bottom, 17 points from 18 games, the same number of points that Arminia Bielefeld have in 17th, Eintracht Braunschweig just one point better in 16th, Karlsruhe also have 18 points there having 15th place, Jan Regensburg, Nuremberg and Sandhausen are all on 19 points, and then Greutherford. And St. Pauli are on 20 points with Hansa Rostock on 21. So let's have a quick look at the Dritte League of Venice as you were for the top two. Alversburg with a big 3 0 win against Essen of the weekend. Meanwhile, Vehen have won their third game on the bounce with 1 0 win away at Borussia Russia Dortmund Schweiz, Saarbrücken, though. Dropping points in the race for promotion. They lost 2-0 away at Berl. They're now 4 points behind Vehan and 11 points behind Alversberg. Oh my god, guys. It could actually happen. Freiburg-Schweig also dropped points. 0-0 against Esbjerg-Alvo. They're not really important because they can't get promoted to the Spider. But well done them on a really good season. First time in... In the Dritte Liga, and they're doing really well. A real credit to the club. off of Mannheim—they won their third game on the bounce, four-one away at Victoria Köln. Um, meanwhile, 1860 continue to fall off a cliff. They lost their third game in five, having lost two-one at home to Diener Road Dresden. Not as bad as Ingolstadt, who have lost their last three on the bounce. Having lost one nil away against Bayreuth, that has resulted in their manager being sacked. The wrong end of the table. If you want more information about these sides, by the way, look it up yourself. Osnabrück have actually won their fifth game in a row, two one away at Duisburg. They're in eighth place now and only five points behind promotion, so they have every the chance of doing something. Meppen at the wrong end of the table, have got their third point in five games. They drew one all with Oldenburg, which, you know, is impressive for Meppen, in all fairness, give them some credit. Hallesher lost 2-0 at home to Zvaccao. Dormund and Bayreuth for already mentioned. Bayreuth still on level points with safety, because Zvaccao also won, as mentioned, 2-0 away at Hallesher. Oldenburg got a draw in Meppen, as mentioned. Ezebjiao continue their good form. It's 10 points in four games after their draw against freiburg Schwei. Okay, rounding off then with the games of the weekend and in the Bundesliga, I'm going to go with Borussia Dortmund against Freiburg. A vital game in not only the battle for European qualification, but also the title race as well. Borussia Dortmund entering fourth, Freiburg entering fifth, both sides just three points off Bayern Munich at the top of the league. So both sides still technically title contenders. Despite the fact that one of them is Freiburg. And the other one is a side who have been drastically underperforming for most of the season. So I don't know how we've ended up here. But I'm not going to complain. My fighter Bundesliga game of the weekend. There are a lot of relegation six-pointers this week. I've decided to go with Magdeburg against Karlsruhe. Magdeburg 18th in the league. Karlsruhe 15th in the league. And separated by just one point. So this game absolutely crucial for both sides. It is taking place Sunday at 30. By the way, I should have probably said all times in Central European time. If you're in the UK, knock off one hour. Final game, Saarbrücken against Alversberg. Of course, it has to be this game. Two sides going for promotion. Alversberg, 11 points clear of Saarbrücken entering the game in third place. Alversberg, obviously, leading the league, as they have done for most of the campaign. To the surprise of everyone if Alversberg win this then they could be 14 points clear with 17 games to go this is absolutely monumental of course other sides can win and close that gap again but Alversberg will be taking a huge step towards promotion Sarbuken, so, on the other hand, they've lost two of the last three games. They need to get going again if they want to be promotion contenders, and getting a win against Alversberg would really give them a lot of momentum. Anyway, that's all the time we have on this episode of the Going Deutsch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week, back at an earlier time as well, because obviously, no NFL least I'm not going to be covering the Pro Bowl because it's glorified friendly. But we'll be back next week to talk about even more from the wonderful world of German football. I hope you'll join me then. But for the time being, I've been Alex Woodward, and until we meet again, I'll be the same.